Hi, and welcome to RevOps Unboxed, the podcast that dives into the world of revenue operations, brought to you by me, Sandy Robinson, in partnership with the Revenue Operations Alliance. Each episode, we'll be unboxing the best practices, strategies, and real stories of revenue operations practitioners to help you optimize revenue operations, grow and scale your organization. I'm here with Jeremy Steinbring today, founder of Revonics. Jeremy has a broad background starting off in his early days in customer success. He really values the customer journey. And today he's gonna talk to our listeners about making sure that you're focusing on the problem you're trying to solve before you kind of slap technology onto it and the importance of getting people together for the purpose of ensuring that you have a smooth and great customer experience. So focusing in on your customer journey. Here we go with Jeremy. Hi everyone, I'm Sandy Robinson, your host of RevOps Unboxed, and I'm here with Jeremy Steinbring, who is the founder of Revonix, and he is quite the RevOps extraordinaire. So I'm super excited to introduce him to you today. So Jeremy, thank you so much for joining me. I'm excited to have you. Yeah, Sandy, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Awesome. Why don't we start off by, maybe you can tell me a little bit about what you do and a little bit about your background for our audience. Yeah, yeah, of course. So my name is Jeremy Steinbring. I'm the founder of Robonics and really we're focused on helping startups um, basically overhaul their RevOps strategy. Um, And we take a strategic approach, but also a technical approach. So we're centered around CRMs like Salesforce and HubSpot, really making sure that data is clean, Um, it aligns with the customer journey and you can use these tools to their full advantage. So that's what I do. Um, We have a a small team at Ravonics. I founded the company back in January of this year. So coming up on our one year anniversary. Um, And I'm really looking forward to uh, 2024. It's going to be an exciting year for us. Um, Prior to me starting um, Ravonics, I actually got my start way back when at Apple. Um, working at an Apple store right around the right around the uh, the holiday season now, I definitely uh, I definitely feel for those folks. <laughs> I'm sure there's a million people in the store, um, but yeah, that's where I got my professional career started, and um, I moved quickly into tech and SaaS, where I've sat in multiple seats from customer success and sales and product management. Um, and eventually found myself working with systems, working with tools like Salesforce and HubSpot. And so that's how I got into RevOps and how I got my expertise that I help customers with today. That's interesting. I think a lot of folks in the RevOps world have a sales background. They get kind of thrown into SaaS as SaaS was exploding and start to really dive in and learn the systems. And I can totally relate coming from the sales side getting into the systems, figuring out how to do the reporting, how do all these things work and just kind of grinding from there. So what, you know, when you think about your experience, how do you believe that is helping you and and helping you to help organizations? Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting. You know, a lot of, a lot of folks that are strictly technical, maybe they went to school for computer science or, you know, they're developers by trade. They don't normally sit in seats where your customers are working. So, for example, you know, if I'm working with a VP of sales, I understand where they're coming from and what goals they're trying to achieve. Right. And that's and that's the key. When we set up technology, we're really doing it 
for the benefit of, you know, the, the role that they're trying to do. And so when I talk to different people in different positions, it's nice to be able to understand where they're coming from, which I think has made a big difference in my career because I can speak to them where they are. You know, I'm not coming from it as a, from a a technical expert that's, you know, uh, talking in jargon that people don't understand. I'm saying, you know, what are your sales targets for this upcoming quarter? How are you forecasting, you know, with your team today? Are you comfortable with your forecast? And we can kind of talk about it in a way that's relevant to them. I love that because you're really getting to their underlying business problem, what's really happening in their world. And ultimately, it impacts their customer, right? So something that, you know, we've worked together in the past and the things that we've discussed is how do these systems and tools impact the customer journey and create friction and all those things that I think leaders struggle to sometimes pull together. And uh, a lot of times it's like herding cats in your organization, right? To bring it back to, you know, okay, what is the real problem we're trying to solve? And let you know, the, your RevOps team or your your uh, marketing ops or sales ops leaders really get in there and dig into the weeds and figure out, you know, all the different solutions that, you know, potentially could uh, have an impact on this problem. And I think one of those things is really around the CRM, right? So in the world of revenue operations or the CRO structure, if you will, which should encompass marketing, sales, and customer success, the CRM is really the day-to-day operating uh, place where folks are spending their time or should be spending their time. So yeah. how do you look at the CRM as a source of truth? And maybe you can give the listeners a little bit of insight into how to approach that, what you've done, and maybe some specific tips around that. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, and this is right up my alley, something I I work on every single day. So, you know, I think the tech stack in today's world keeps growing. There's no shortage of tools and that all have integrations with each other. And so I think over the last, especially last few years, and now with the up and coming, you know, AI boom, we have a whole new subset of tools that now are are supposedly supposed to seamlessly integrate with CRM. Mm. And I think one of the biggest issues that people have is that, you know, we're so prescriptive when a problem exists, there are two to three tools now that exist to solve that one particular Mm. problem. So it's easy for companies to find themselves with now a tech stack of 50 systems and they all overlap in some way. You know, some, some tools are trying to be, um, something that they weren't, um, their databases themselves. Um, a great example is like an outreach or a sales loft. Like they're really meant for sequencing outreach. That was the reason they were founded and built for sales engagement, but they are CRMs in themselves. So some people use sales loft and outreach as their CRM. And so because there's so much overlap and all of these systems are supposed to integrate, it can be incredibly complicated. Um, especially for the people that we help in startups who are, you know, don't have a dedicated RevOps team or systems experts. You know, it's it is the VP of sales or CMO or head of product making these decisions. And so a lot of it is kind of flying blind, unfortunately. And they find themselves in the situation where data is kind of all over the place. You know, people have come and gone. So we've we've uh, strategies have changed. The integrations have changed. The tools themselves are changing, and it's it's very much like hitting a moving target. 
So I mean, that being said, having a solid CRM as your foundation is, is essential. You know, whether it's HubSpot, Salesforce, Pipedrive, Zoho, it, and it really doesn't matter how, you know, which one you choose. I, I'm I'm an audio engineer by by trade. You know, I worked at Westlake Recording Studios and mm-hmm. did some work with Boys to Men, like way before my RevOps wow. career. Um, and they always used to say, you know, there's no such thing as a good or a bad microphone. They're just different sounds, right? So like if you're a ska band out of, you know, San Diego, you don't need the $10,000 microphone. You just need the $50 one. But that doesn't mean that it's bad. And I look at CRMs the exact same way. You know, if you if you do, if you prefer HubSpot over Salesforce or Pipedrive or Zoho, because maybe you're only a couple people deep, you know, it, as long as you have some centralized way to to keep your data clean, that's what's most important. Um, and so I know I threw a lot at you there, but that's <laughs> that's kind of how I look at it. Well, and it's crazy how quickly it gets out of control. So I've heard people say, you're at a startup, it's a clean slate. But like even six months down the road, to your point, product grabbed the tool, sales grabbed the tool, all these people grab these tools. And pretty soon a free trial license turns into an individual license, to a team license, to an enterprise license. And now you have all these data silos that you've created. Uh, so when you when you talk to people and work with people, how do you approach that? How do you approach you know getting getting these things to work together? And uh, because it's not as simple as being like a guru in Salesforce, because while that's critical, you have all these other things that have to like really work together and work yeah. together well. Totally. Well, I mean, I think it aligns, it's aligning the people and the strategy first. You have to get people on the same page, thinking about it the same way. And I think one of the benefits, obviously, you know, RevOps is a relatively new industry. It's a new term. It's something that's new. But I think one of the biggest benefits of it becoming a thing is that startups earlier on are starting to say, do we need RevOps? And the answer, of course, is yes. (laughs) Because RevOps is really to align you know, marketing, sales, customer success, and product earlier on. And so people are having these conversations earlier than they were even a couple of years ago, which helps you align some of the people in the strategy. But really, you know, it shocks me how many times I, you know, I've, I've seen businesses not have alignment, even within a small team. You know, mm-hmm. you might only have a couple people in each department, but what they're focused on, they're so laser focused on their goal that they're not thinking about the entire customer journey or the entire tech stack and how it works together. And, you know, to your point, you find yourself very easily overwhelmed with tools. And I think part of the problem too is, you know, founders and CEOs like myself want to give their people the tools they need to be successful. And I think there's decision fatigue you know, and so you hire people to make those decisions. And so I think a lot of times it's just a lack of education of like what a tool does, how it should work and, you know, how it should be configured. And then it's also good people, good founders trying to help their team, giving them the resources to buy those tools. And so I think if you are able to centralize them, even without a RevOps department, you know, you guys should be meeting so that you're understanding every part of the customer journey and what the goals are and what tools you should invest in. Um, it needs to be aligned. And that's where you would start. Yeah, for sure. And and like, you know, and I think sometimes that's hard to get across in organizations and having um, having that perspective from, it, you know, I know myself as a RevOps leader, 
I try to make it not about me, right? It's about the customer journey, but it comes down to like little decisions. So how do you deal with, you know, some somebody, and I, maybe you've you've done this in past roles where you, you know, are trying to connect some tools and I know different tools work. Like, for example, if you have HubSpot, you have a really a, a, a narrow, more narrow selection of tools that are going to more seamlessly integrate. Sure, you can integrate anything, right? Everyone's got, you know, open APIs and we can connect things. Uh, but, you know, given that's your area of expertise, what kind of uh, thoughts do you have around that for people who are looking to bring together their systems and maybe make decisions and choices around, you know, how they, how those other tools play with their CRM. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's an important, it's an important topic because I think a lot of the issues that we've already talked about already are are about connecting the system. So when those systems get connected, that's when problems get exacerbated. You can never, you never solve your data problem by connecting more tools. Mm-hmm. That's that's something that that people have to realize. You know, a system that's plugged in is not going to fix their current problems. It's going to <laughs> right. exacerbate them. And I know again, it's like it's easy to be looking for silver bullets, and it'll in, it'll seamlessly integrate, and it's just two steps, authenticate it, and it'll all work. And it's just <laughs> that's just not the world that we live in. Um, you know, the the question that I always like to ask myself, especially while helping you know my customers um, make these decisions, is what problem are you trying to solve? Yep. You know, a lot of times every tool has an integration with Salesforce or HubSpot. I mean, just about. So it's not a matter of if you can, it's a matter of should. Mm-hmm. And you really have to ask yourself this system integration, what problem is it solving? Is it really going to fix the core problem at the right. root of the reason we're getting this tool? And I actually think asking that question helps you eliminate excess tech stack. Yes. Because you know, again, it's really easy to be scrolling LinkedIn and being like, oh, I'm having this problem today, you know, forecasting my pipeline. And then a great tool comes up with a slick video that says, you know, buy this and we integrate with Salesforce. And that that's that's all we think about it. It integrates okay. with Salesforce. We expect it to work. Um, and then we're at, we're left with a mess six months in. Right. And then it ends up really just being some duct tape that you're putting on the actual problem. And so maybe you can give me a little bit of a story uh, and a scenario around uh, a specific problem that you that you solved in that area, um, you know, um, whether recently or maybe in uh, some of your past roles when you were kind of grinding at companies, uh, if you can share a little bit with the listeners. Yeah, well, kind of switching gears from the technology a little bit, um, you know, I got my start in tech in customer success. And so I've always thought about the customer journey, the customer experience. It's just, it's, and especially getting my start at Apple, they really ingrain that into you. Like what experience are you delivering for your customer? How can you help them? How can you enrich Mm -hmm. their lives? And I think one of the things that's going to be important this year and next year and the years to come is how are we retaining our current customers? You know, I'm sure a lot of businesses right now are noticing that less people are in the market to buy. And so the companies that are going to succeed and frankly survive are going to be the ones that can continue to bring value to their current customers and expand those relationships, right? So one of the things that I've noticed, and this is where it ties into what I do with with systems, is about how to limit the amount of churn and how to 
ensure that when problems come up, because we all know that they will, mm-hmm. how are we handling those situations to really use it as an opportunity to improve their experience with the company? And so something that I learned very early on is to not just think about fixing the problem, but to really think about fixing the relationship that you have with that customer. So I'll give you, I'll give you a really simple example. Bring it back to Apple with iPhone, right? Let's say I went into a store and my iPhone wasn't working. I'm a business owner. And they were to say, oh yeah, I know what the problem is. I'll plug it in or I'll replace it. And that was it. They gave me a new phone. My problem's fixed. But they didn't talk about how I missed a board meeting. Or they didn't talk about how I was unable to have this conversation because I didn't have my technology working. You have to acknowledge the struggle and the problems that the inconvenience caused. And it's about repairing your relationship with the person. Most decisions that we make are emotional decisions. And then Mm -hmm. we use data to back up those emotional decisions. And I think a lot of times, especially in tech and startups, we're, we're helping so many customers with so few people that we don't take the time to really repair the relationship and try to add that value. And I'm sure you've, I mean, anywhere, whether it's a restaurant or, you know, going out um, and, and going to the mall or, you know, whatever your experience is, I'm sure the experiences where you had a problem and they went over and above to fix the problem, you have a better feeling about that company and it's built more loyalty when you know that things go sideways, which you know inevitably they will. And so that's something that I've been thinking about and talking with my customers a lot about because they're now leaning into customer retention and to try to expand the customer relationships that they have today. Uh, that's so important because it it really it, we're all here at you know businesses and developing their customer base to have happy customers and. Yeah. One of the critical things that any RevOps team should be focused on is that full customer lifecycle. So I love that you're stressing on customer success because I think in with RevOps being this kind of exploding field, and I think last year it was like the number one posting on LinkedIn, right? Forbes wrote an article about it. There's a lot of hype around RevOps, but when you really dive into those job descriptions, it's really sales ops with a new name. And yep. that's that's something that I think for people that are looking to bring in a RevOps function, first of all, it sounds like what you're saying is like, do it sooner versus later, but really mm-hmm. look at the full customer journey. And how would you recommend, so if, if you're a startup, you don't really have a lot of customers yet. So I think yeah. what tends to happen, and I've experienced this working with startups, you you don't, you don't think about that as much because you're like, we'll worry about that later when we actually get customers. Mm-hmm. But what's your opinion on that? And how important is it for really people to be thinking down the road there? Yeah. Well, I mean, we've all heard you know, the adage of it's, it's like twice as expensive to try to find a new customer and onboard and then it is to keep your current customers. But I also think that, you know, your current customers and creating those experiences that are, you know, either enriching or life-changing, you know, whatever, on whatever scale, they're the ones that are going to be selling your technology and making the, the top of funnel a lot simpler and a lot easier. 
And so I think what happens, and to your point, RevOps is, is like a new name for marketing and sales ops. It's always top of funnel. It's always about generating new demand and closing business from a sales perspective. And I think the latter part, the customer success and product, I, I, I put product in the RevOps role too, because I mean, some customers don't even interact with a human. Mm-hmm. It's right. it's product led, right? They land on the website, they buy on the website, they are in the product, and the product helps them. Right. And so I think it's about shifting your mindset from strictly marketing and sales to including all of the four pillars of RevOps and aligning it. Because I think one helps the other, mm-hmm. right? If you're able to retain customers and create great experiences, that's going to help with generating new inbound interest. And so I think. That's what a lot of people tend to do is we just need more. We need more customers. And, uh, you know, I think only 3% of people that you talk to are ready to buy your product. The the other 97 are the ones that you have to drip on and the ones that you have to get in front of and build awareness and trust with. And your biggest ambassadors are the people that work with you, the people that see the value in what you bring, which are your current customers. So leveraging those relationships is the way that you grow your business. And so for me, it's always front of mind. But for my customers, I think you could always shift more heavily towards customer success and thinking about the people you already know. Mm -hmm. Because nine times out of 10, you can expand those relationships a lot easier than meeting somebody cold and trying to convince them to, you know, to sign on. Which brings back to the earlier topic we discussed about the CRM being the central source of truth. So if you're thinking about those things ahead of time and planning for the future growth, you have to have those, the product factor, the customer success factor in mind and Mm -hmm. building the infrastructure to support that. So making those decisions at the highest level in the organization to say, like like you said, whatever, whatever the CRM is, that's what it is. This is what we're going to align on. And where does the customer data live and how can we, um, you know, how can we bring ourselves together as a team to stick with it? Because it's yeah. so easy to get the shiny object. Oh, this is a cool new tool that'll help put us put another little bandaid on it. And I think this general effort of consolidation is important to support the customer journey so they don't have a fragmented experience and they don't have they don't have a reason to leave to turn and burn. So yeah. You know, I I think it's it's really it's really important. And as you know, what what would you give in terms of uh, organizations looking to set up their RevOps function? You know, what are some items like actionable things that they can do? And uh, you know, thinking about their their hiring and what kind of person do they they put in the role and uh, those those kind of things. I'd love to just get some words of wisdom from you and insights that you could share? Yeah. Well, I mean, the first thing that we kind of touched on before is really aligning the people. If you don't have representation from those four pillars, the marketing, sales, customer success, and product, at least once a month to talk about aligning your business goals. And I'm not talking about just through the lens of, you know, what just to share what you're doing, but to collaborate and kind of figure out what does that customer journey look like and what tools are best to represent and hold that data and and basically hold that customer journey together. You have to align the people. Too many people are working in silos. And so you have to bring people together to start having those conversations. That's that's number one. 
I think as far as executing on a strategy once it's been decided or getting outside advice, I mean, there's a plethora of options. You can hire full-time, which I've sat in those seats. You can hire folks like myself who are you know, consultants that can help you on a fractional basis. And you also right now, unfortunately, have had a lot of layoffs in tech and SaaS. There, mm-hmm. are, there is no shortage of talent. And mm-hmm. people looking to do fractional work on the side, you know, even five to six hours a week, there are people out there that have a plethora of knowledge that can come in and help. And so I think right now, especially, we have so many great resources to set up your RevOps department. But I think it starts with aligning your people and to talk about how this is going to be a strategy for us. How is this going to be a North Star? And how are we going to think about the decisions that we make and how we execute on them? So I would say that's that's from the RevOps perspective. I would say, you know, my my own pet peeve perspective and just what I've seen and what drives me absolutely insane. Please avoid silver bullets. Mm. If it sounds too good to be true, it definitely is. <laughs> and I think I mentioned it before too. You're not going to solve a problem by adding additional tools. I, I don't I don't care what product it is, how fantastic. I'm sure it serves a purpose. You know, there's a lot of great SaaS products out there. If you have a data issue, a data cleanliness issue, injecting another tool is not going to help. And you know, I, the same thing with silver bullets for like, you know, earning more business, whether it's you know, new automated message outreach on LinkedIn using AI. Like, again, those are all the bells and whistles that if your messaging is terrible, though, it doesn't matter what tool you're using or what channel you're getting in front of your current customers. You have to think about what is the actual problem and is a tool really going to fix it? And mm-hmm. I think if you go through that exercise and you're, you scrutinize those maybe an, um, initial emotional responses to problems you'll make the right decision, you know, at least 50, 60% of the time. <laughs> that That's so true because it does become an emotional decision and it, it, you have this idea as like, well, I can just, I can just get that and fix it. And then people get the budget. So this is budgeting and you have VPs who have budgets and they're like, well, I'm just gonna, I've been trying to get this tool. I'm going to put this in. This is going to solve our problems. And you're unknowingly and unintentionally creating these additional data silos that make your first problem even harder to solve. So I think that's yep. really, really good advice because adding, you know, there. I think there's a general effort of consolidation, but also to your point, silver bullet, there are tools that are trying to be things that they're not out there. And so you have to be careful there too and make sure that you're doing the right decisioning and making making those together as a team and how does it really impact the business and pushing back on those demos, right? Like, okay, what, what does this really look like? Like show me in your instance of Salesforce or your instance of HubSpot uh, or whatever it may be. Yeah, totally. Well, and again, I mean, there are tools out there that you certainly need, you know, like if you have a duplicate problem, going through that one by one by hand is going to be impossible. So in using a tool to help you with that, you know, that's, that's not what I'm saying. I'm, yeah. I'm talking about more generalities. Again, this is how we end up with a, with an overinflated tech stack where you're spending thousands that you shouldn't. And it just convolutes all of the data that makes it hard for your people. Duplicates your efforts, creates more meetings. I definitely can, can relate and have seen that and talk to lots of folks that have that, have that challenge. Uh, I did want to touch on too, you mentioned uh, just finding folks on a part-time basis and 
I know when I've looked at resumes and gone through this process, I recently hired somebody who didn't necessarily have exactly RevOps experience. And I think it's it's really hard to find that because yeah. RevOps is kind of new. So you're not gonna have somebody that has like RevOps titles. So it's like, what what are their what's their skill set? Is it relatable? Do they understand the customer journey? So maybe you can give some tips on that when people are looking, especially if you have a, a small budget or maybe you can hire uh, kind of a junior person that to come in and help shape things up. So do you have some tips on that? Yeah. You know, no one starts, no one grows up saying, I want to be a RevOps expert, right? So like <laughs> no people way. have, well, maybe, I mean, you know, who knows? And I don't want to speak for everybody. I'm sure there may be one or two. It <laughs> is really, really fun. Um, but, I, you know, I think I think it's more so about, do you have the right mindset? Can you take the abuse, really? I mean, and again, I know that that may sound extreme, but, you know, RevOps and the roles that we're in are thankless positions. You know, we're we're not the ones that typically get shouted out when, you know, a new deal closes. It's the salesperson or it's the VP or, you know, it's the sales team. Or, you know, if we identify or save a client, it's customer success. We're the, we're the people behind the curtain doing all of the hard work. And so I think if you have a, an analytical mind, if you have the right mindset, if you have the grit to work through difficult problems and difficult days and the thanklessness, I mean, listen, it takes a... It's a rare breed to do this job well and to sustain it because mm -hmm. it's difficult. Everyone would do it if, if um, you know, if it wasn't that way. So I, it, I, again, I think it's, you know, I've some, some of the best people that I know in RevOps come from like a, being a baker, yeah. <laughs> but they have great customer experience, right. you know, um, expertise, and they know how to talk to people and build relationships and, and bridge the gap between you know, people and explain things in a way that people understand. And so those, you know, those things are invaluable and the buttons can be taught, you know, the, right. the button clicking and the tools can be taught, but being a good person and being personable and being able to build relationships usually can. And I, I, when, when you said that, it made me think I, I inter interviewed somebody on my podcast who started out as an SDR and got into yep. RevOps and I think that's a, a, a place to look uh, if you're looking to get somebody who is a grinder because SDRs, man, they, they can grind and they figure out the tools and and how to uh, build their sequences. And a lot of times they're very techie and, and in kind of the back end of things. So I think that's just a little bit of an out of the box thing. There, there are folks that do make that move. And I think you have to be a little bit open and not put a role on there that says, oh, well, we need 10 years of RevOps experience. Like, well, that doesn't exist. I mean, I happen yep. to have it, but you know, I'm, I've also been doing this a really long time and I don't have the technical necessarily capabilities that some of these uh, folks that have less experience in the quote business world and in these official roles. Uh, so, well, let's, uh, if you want to give a few quick closing comments, uh, I'd love to hear that from you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, thank you for having me. This was this was really fantastic. I could talk about it all day. Awesome. Thanks again, Jeremy. Appreciate you coming to the show. Take care. Thank you, Sandy. Thanks for tuning in to RevOps Unboxed. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode.